When I was a kid, my dad would bust my chops about being a picky eater. He'd bust my chops about a lot of things. But when it came to the picky eating, he had a point. How do you know you don't like it if you don't try it? It was a legitimate question. And as an older, more worldly, bold bon vivant, I've always kept my dad's question in my back pocket through all walks of life. What? No, I don't literally have a piece of paper in my back pocket with my dad's question printed on it. It's a figure of speech. Anyway, Bloom Farms CBD. They want you to try something new. How do I know? 20% off your purchase at checkout at bloomfarmcbd.com. They want you to try their beautifully packaged, sharply designed, broad-spectrum hemp CBD oil. So don't be like little Ronnie, the kid who wouldn't try peanut butter. Little Ronnie was a fool. He thought peanut butter wouldn't be for him, and he was dead wrong. (laughs) Experience a new and unique way to unwind and enjoy the everyday. And if you're a loyal listener to this podcast, and there are many of you, I bet I can tell you a few things about yourself. Number one, you have excellent taste. Number two, you're not afraid to try new things. So it's fate. Bloom Farm CBD giving you the chance to take the leap. Their organic, non-GMO tinctures come in three different doses for imbibers of every skill level. And now, they've got these dynamite new CBD mini vape pens in delicious flavors like blackberry and sequoia mint. And they don't use batteries. They're self-powered. These people are wizards, I tell you. BloomFarmsCBD.com, promo code BALDFREAK, one word, BALDFREAK. Do not hesitate. Enter that promo code at checkout. Get 20% off your purchase. Try something new, available in most of the U.S. and beyond. Find your balance, because hey, how do you know you don't like it if you don't try it? BloomFarmsCBD.com. Don't tell my dad I sent you. Independent-minded with Ronnie Scalzo. Friday night shows are my favorite. If you're a childless, middle-aged, working stiff like me, is there anything better? You're already out. The dogs are asleep at home. You can imbibe without remorse. The band goes on late. So what? Have another margarita. It's Friday. No school tomorrow. Stay out and play. And so the promise of a Friday trip down to D.C.'s trendy, touristy wharf area on a lovely summer's eve has me strutting in my shoes as I head over to Union Stage to meet Eric D. Johnson, the main man behind the long-running indie folk bop of Fruit Bats. The venue is tucked away in between cobblestone hipster bars and parking garages in which said hipsters can park their hipster cars and go drink some IPAs and eat artisanal pizzas in their skinny jeans and their J. Crew tees. And no, I ain't making fun. I describe the scene affectionately. When I discover the Fruit Bats soundcheck is running late, naturally I order an IPA and artisanal pizza of my own at the cozy Union Stage Bar upstairs from the performance area. On the two TVs above the bar, they're showing NPR tiny desk concerts on a loop, confirming that yes, I am among my people. When Eric D. Johnson emerges from the basement to meet me, he's wearing glasses, adorned in a dirty white t-shirt. He seems a little stressed. He doesn't know my name, and that's okay. Not the first time, and certainly not the last. I've been in D.C. for a year, and I learned one thing straight off. Traffic here sucks major donkey dick. And while I was cruising downtown on the metro, I'm sure Eric and Fruit Bats were grinding brake pads on their way to our nation's capital. All this does not go unnoticed. 
the long drives, the stress of making sure you're fed and dressed, and dare I say relaxed, so you can go out there and bring your A-game in front of a few hundred people, it's got to be nerve-wracking. Of all the pros and cons of being an indie artist, this part seems like a major con. But we settle down, ironically, in the indoor parking garage where the Fruit Bats van is parked. It's hot and echoey, but I don't complain. I want Eric D. Johnson to bring his A-game to this interview. So if this is where it shall be, this is where it shall be. So what if it's dark and I spend 10 minutes fumbling around from my phone slash flashlight so I can see if the damn thing is even recording? NBD! <laughs> and so Eric and I sweat it out in the garage and talk about Fruit Bat's dazzling new album, Gold Past Life, a collection of sublime indie pop that mixes the retro sounds and ideas of bands like Electric Light Orchestra and The Beatles with the earnestness and wry wit of modern-day indie rock. Later that night, a man hits the stage to a sold-out crowd of IPA-loving hipsters. His long hair is brushed, his glasses are off, he's wearing a colorful suit jacket. He's Eric D. Johnson. He doesn't look stressed anymore. He looks happy. Eric and I talk about his middle initial, his lost solo album, hooking our dogs up, and the humor in Fruit Bat's awesome music videos. Kicking things off with Gold Past Life, the title track from Fruit Bat's new album on Merge Records, then my conversation with Eric D. Johnson, right here on Independent Minded, for the Fruit Bat Mobile. It's Ronnie Scalzo's amazing podcast. It's Ronnie Scalzo's amazing podcast. He's talking to people who make all the music. He's plugging their projects. He's making them famous. He's helping them out just by making them talk about all the bullshit that they do.
I had a good breakfast, actually. We went to the Whole Foods breakfast bar. I did the breakfast bar salad bar combo, which is a new thing I've discovered. So I did like scrambled eggs, but with arugula on top and some tater tots and coffee. As someone who's done many tours, I'm sure there are rituals that you follow as a vocalist. Like I've been told, like, don't drink coffee before shows, don't smoke before shows. Do you buy into all that nonsense? Um, no, I don't do anything vocally. I probably should start. What about vocal exercises? Nope. Really? Yeah. Well, that's interesting because you have quite a high-pitched tone on some of these, especially the I harmonies. Do. I do, yeah. Um, so you're kind of debunking the theory that uh, practice makes perfect here. I mean, yeah, and it's not like I don't. I take pretty good care in general. I hydrate, and I don't drink six beers before I play, although I'm having one right you now. You are holding a beer. I, as I, as I, I needed it. We had, we had a trafficy. We had sort of a, this is, yeah, we had a trafficy, slightly stressful yeah, you're, entry you're letting, here. You're so. loose. It's a Friday. It's happy hour. Yeah. We're in, down in a parking lot. Yeah, we're at the wharf. In D.C. So um, you're just getting into the spirit of things. Yeah, exactly. And it's a Corona, so there's a lime, so it's kind of a little <laughs> bit of food is happening too, but oh, yeah. Is, is that count as sustenance? Having I think a lime so. I think in your so. can of Corona? Yeah. I probably should do the vocal warm-ups. I do have such a high, heavy voice that uh, usually by the second song, I'm warmed up anyway. Well, I'm going to see you for the first time tonight, so I'll be the judge of that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, like, if that's what works Isn't for that, you. You're, that's what you're here for. Yeah. <laughs> In a way, I guess so. Just to give a little background here, we're um, outside. I want to say outside. We're inside the parking lot outside Union Stage in D.C. A lot of times when I talk to people on the podcast, it's like, you know, oh, so-and-so's coming into town. I really like this band. I have a history with this band as a fan. Let me see if they're available for an interview. Such not the case with Eric D. Johnson and Fruit Bats. I had only kind of known you by name. I watched a couple of videos, listened to a couple of songs. And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to talk to Eric D. Johnson and Fruit Bats. And here I am inside the Fruit Bats van. It's hot as hell. Yeah, it's hot. We're in a hot van it's in hot. a parking garage. I can sweat it out. I'm just E1, you know, section E1. Just, E1. Yeah. Eric D. Johnson. What does the D stand for? Uh, Donald. Donald. My dad's name is Don Johnson, for real. Really? But he's not the Miami Vice Not the Miami Vice Don Johnson? I was thinking on my way here that there are not a lot of musicians who use their middle initial. Well, I have to, because you know there's another Eric Johnson. Yeah, that was like going to be my shredding our musical worlds we live in are deeply different. Yeah, I don't know who the other Eric Johnson is. Can you like? He's me? very famous. He's a virtuoso guitar player. He tours with like Joe Satriani. All right, I'm familiar with that like world. That. So it's like it's he's a like, wanker. He's a <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but I when I started off, I think my Midwestiness was my pragmatic Midwestiness. I was like, I did have like a, a thought in my brain when I started off. This is 20 years ago now of being like. Maybe I should change my name or something. But that seemed like hubris. I was like, that seems very presumptuous. Like, that will ever matter. I'm not going to ever become famous or... That will never be necessary, basically. It's interesting that you say that because you're very prolific. You have quite a number of albums under yeah. the Fruit Bats name. And Fruit Bats is, sounds like, from being a Fruit Bats novice up until recently, it's you surrounded by like Whoever. a carousel yeah, yeah. of yes. musicians. Yeah, it's a solo endeavor. Most in that less, sense, yeah. we are kindred spirits, and and I've always had kind of an identity crisis as a musician. Like, do I use my real name? Do I hide behind a moniker? And you did kind of take a time out from Fruit Bats. Yeah. To be 
not Eric D. Johnson, but EDJ, which are your initials. Yeah. You recount that period as being somewhat of a more honest approach to songwriting and kind of a more naked approach to songwriting. Do you see the two things as kind of directly correlated? It was it was just a reset for me, which was kind of needed and sort of a mistake in a way, but sort of a necessary mistake. And I, I did the name change because I was like, I should just do something new. And but it was kind of terrible when I did it because I, I would do shows and I would have to have fruit bats in. It would have to still be EDJ, parentheses, the fruit bats guy or whatever. And I was like, what does it matter? I still have to use the name anyway. But I was able to make a record. We were just talking about this today with some of the guys who were playing with me who were like, that record's so cool. And I've always been a fan of the Lost classic or the Lost album. And that's I got to make my Lost album because no one heard that. Okay, so that's what you consider it in the pantheon of Oh, yeah. Music. I mean, no one has heard it. <laughs> no one like knows what it is. And part of me is like, I kind of like that a little bit. I put it out. I lost my booking agent and manager and like my career took a nosedive. I basically like sort of lost all the momentum I had, but it was also kind of coming out of a traumatic life experience and uh, I needed to do it a little bit too. And in a w I think we're going to re-release that record as a Fruit Bats album one of these days. Just getting more like, exposure. Uh, yeah, and uh, th I think people deserve to hear that one. It's a cool record. And, well, but, they can yeah. still go listen yeah. to it. <laughs> it's, kind, it's sort of like my favorite child. You would be surprised how it's still impossible to get people to listen to. Yeah. It's just like people really do get attached to a name. Coming up in the 90s, I felt like I was very good at digging into like a family tree of a band. If the bass player had a side project. Same here. If I liked the band and the bass player had a side project, I would go get those records. Right. I, uh, so you kind of branch out beyond the root of whatever band or yeah, artist you Yeah, and like I was and, like, people will follow that, and they, they didn't at all. But yeah, no, no one dug into that, but in a way I'm kind of happy because it's mine. I didn't have to tour those songs for a million years and play them a million times and get sick of them. It's, it's a very like pure uh, record for me. You mentioned the traumatic life experience coming out of kind of the last couple of Fruit Bass records into this one, which I feel is lighter and, and a little more fun. This new record's not very light. It's tongue-in-cheek light in a way. Yeah, I want to talk um, about that. Yeah, there is a humor to it for sure. Yeah, and it's a little, um, it's sort of about nostalgia and like what that means exactly and how it's kind of a lie sometimes but obviously done in the veneer of like a nostalgic sounding music too which i've always kind of done anyway it's sort of like the cliche of just coming back to living in the present type of yeah. thing but it's it's a little bit about it's a record about the past and sort of reckoning i mentioned that i was excited to talk to you because i went back and did the research after you know because i only knew you by name and like most journalists or fans, I went to the normal places. I went on YouTube. I went on Spotify. My first exposure to anything Fruit Bats was the video that you did for the title track and the documentary, mockumentary you did for yeah. a single you released before this album. Who is Tito Mack? <laughs> Tito Mack is he's a mysterious fictional character. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, actually just had a new video come out yesterday. That's my first not funny video. For Oceans, I watched yeah, that yeah. as well. Kind yeah. of more straight than yeah. The, than guy, the guys who directed the Gold Pass Life video, who are a, a directing team, both of whom I've worked with 
as a team and individually, like on pretty much all so the videos. So it's a collaborative thing. Right? It's a collaborative thing, and uh, we all live in LA, and it's sort of a stable of of they have a, an incredible stable of like comedians and actors and kind of like central casting. Yeah, you're on the, in the right and, place for the, that sort of creativity. Yeah, and it's. Um, I just let those guys go. You, I've done yeah. with them collectively or individually. My last like five things have been with them, and I just sort of am like, I don't know what we're doing, but just do my it. My next question so, is like, how yeah. do you keep a straight face in the in the documentary? Oh, I didn't keep a straight face. There's there's a lot of that would be on that would be a lot on uh, the bloopers and practical jokes or so, just a lot of, a lot of a lot of B roll of me uh, losing my shit. In like, the 15 uh, yeah. minute short film documentary yeah. for the single. You're dealing with an emotional engineer, yeah. is, is that his title? Yeah, yeah. Who basically has you like singing into a jar where a sandwich exists yeah. and is having your guitar player play a plant. Yeah. For anybody who's kind of like a sound nerd or a studio rat, it's hilarious. I mean, it's really Yeah, the director, well Johnny done. Look, was just like, he had seen so many, because and this happens so often, where a record label or management is like, we should do a very we should do a cool in-studio thing. And you always end up with these very earnest, kind of self-important. And, like, it's not the fault of the artist or the filmmaker either, but it's just kind of the the earnest, self-important, this is my process kind of film. And it's, like, always kind of the same thing. And they're always doing some kind of interesting... We stuffed the bass drum with a camel hair or something. And uh, so, yeah, Johnny was like, we should just do that like the most earnest sort of behind the scenes video and we were actually kind of recording that song too like i think a few things that actually happened in that documentary really did make the really cut <laughs> so we we were sort of working and then he was like it would just be funny if if it was increasingly bizarre uh, the layers got peeled back and it was increasingly bizarre and by the end we were recording through sandwiches and things <laughs> well, like that well kudos to you for you know being able to keep a straight face at least to get some good takes it's very <laughs> rare that you know that i'll sit down and watch a youtube video that makes me laugh out loud so kudos to those guys people, that you people work with. liked that video i was I, I liked it too but when you live deep inside something sometimes you don't <laughs> really know when you're out the other side and people come and quote that to me all the time. Yeah, I could Like imagine. at the merch table or something, someone will always come and say, give a shit well, or that's something good. like that's, that. that. Yeah. That's good. I'd be remiss not to talk about your relationship with your dog who's uh, featured in that documentary video, I believe. He's in one of your press photos. Um, He's in the new video too, actually, for okay. a second. I, for the last 10 years of my music career, have had a very intimate relationship with my own dog. Uh, he's a Westie. Oh, I love Westies. Yeah, he's got anxiety. And uh, when I think about the prospect of touring at my age or, you know, even on going out to see bands and stuff like that, I have this unhealthy attachment to my dog and I wish I could take him everywhere. Lucky for me, when I'm touring and stuff, my dog actually loves my wife a lot more than me. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm like person 1B. She's probably in his life more often. She's in his imagine. life more often, and he can come to work with her. They're, like, attached at the hip, pretty much. Your dog's name is Pinto? Pinto. Yeah, yeah. Pinto loves Westies, too. Oh. One of his best buds is Play a Westie. Date. Yeah, yeah. He has a really good Westie buddy. All right, so that, um, that, one of that his, role is taken already. One of his favorite wrestling partners. But no, he likes Westies. When he sees other Westies, he gets But he's really not stoked. a Westie. He's, no, no, he's, he's big. Um, not, not like big, but he's, um, he's skinny, but knee-high. He's like the weight of a Westie, but, um, but like twice the height and length and, and is like a scrawny 
terrier. So he's he two looks and a half small in pictures, but he's like 37 pounds and uh, comes up to your knee, kind of. But he uh, he's photogenic, so he just kind of like if someone comes by to film something, he as is my dog. He generally ends up in the. If it wasn't story. for buttons, my Instagram would not be as popular. Yeah, like, as popular yeah. Pinto is. is the is the he's every third picture or something. So you're in town. You're headed to my homeland tomorrow. Yeah, Brooklyn. I watched a video where you mentioned sometimes like you go on something called a vacation tour where it's like you can cherry pick the places you want to go and the places you want to play. I assume a musician is your full-time job, right? Yes. So how do you cherry pick these tours right now after I'm sure you've seen most of the country, if not all of it? Right now I'm not on the cherry picking uh, vacation tour portion of the tour. I'm on the get out there Tell and people promote the record exists. kind of right. thing and we're playing like 60 shows or something so usually you do the vacation tour after the the sort of first the first time the you first go out, right. kind of part of the album cycle and luckily fruit bats are lucky enough to have a this pacific northwest fan base is kind of our strongest region so we can go places like montana and play pretty good shows know, and right, yeah so there. and ha actually have like really good shows in like missoula montana and jackson wyoming That's and places cool. like that so a couple years ago, we did we did a tour that was basically like three shows in Montana, two shows in Wyoming. So fun. Day off in the Tetons. Nice. That was incredible. And I think it was my favorite tour ever and everyone in my band's favorite tour we've ever done. Like, you just come back feeling not drained or anything. Other than the fact that drives are like eight hours every day, but they're beautiful. Talk to me about your influences your origins we talked about you growing up in the midwest where exactly wisconsin um actually born in wisconsin a little bit of like moved around but i mostly grew up near chicago and then moved into the city of chicago when i was of age to leave home and that's where i was for years and started this band there and yeah was there a moment was there uh, was there an artist where is there someone in your family that made you say, I want to be a musician? Um, it was kind of a series of accidents. I was always more of a singer than anything. I didn't really play an instrument. Um, always could sing well, just sort of like inherently and would sing along the songs or whatever. And these dudes in my high school wanted me to lead, be the lead singer of their band. But it also seemed really mortifying to just stand there and sing. So I was like, I should probably learn guitar. And the guitar player of the band, who was my friend, was like, I'll show you some chords. So he showed me some chords, basically kind of taught me rhythm guitar. So you learned guitar out of fear. So I learned guitar out of fear. And then <laughs> I didn't really know how, quite yet, how to apply chords to covers, you know, which is what most high school bands were doing at yeah, that yeah. time. I've been there. Um, so I just started to write because that actually seemed easier. I wanted to be a writer or a screenwriter actually first. Have you written any screenplays? I actually have, yeah, and I've nothing that's ever done anything, but and I've written some TV episodes and uh, stuff, but again, nothing's ever come of anything. And like now that I live in LA, I realize how even when you really do that for real, how impossible it is. Yeah. So um, I wouldn't say I'm discouraged, but now I'm just distracted by being what in a TV band. What TV shows again, did so. you write a screenplay for? Uh, well, I created my own TV show. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. this was like a pilot. Yeah, that I did with a friend, a, like a screenwriting friend of mine. But it's a long story that I, it's <laughs> it's no more exciting than anybody's stupid story. Of well, as a to movie a nerd, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just curious. I was right also at like a turning point. I wasn't, I was never in a punk band, which a lot of people who are sort of started in the indie scene were right, i was always sort of, of like an trend. alien once i sort of got actually got a little older but yeah so i, w I was playing this classic rock i was into the dead i kind of became a deadhead and followed the dead around for a little while in the early oh, 90s nice. like literally the the youngest age you could possibly be to do that 
because I was like <laughs> 18 and 19, you know, when they were finishing up. And then indie rock kind of came into my life, you know, at the age where it does, when you're 18 or 19 or something. And I discovered like Pavement and Super Chunk and stuff like that. And it, it totally threw me for a loop because I was like, that kind of was classic rock in a way, but it seemed a graspable style. And I was like, oh, I think I'll do this. But I think I always had this singer songwriter thing in me and I never really fit in with that world until I started making my first record and it was like clearly folk music and singer-songwriter music and indie rock were starting to all merge at that time in 2000, 2001. I was hearing bands like Sparkle Horse and uh, I was playing in the band Caliphone who was sort of doing that and and the Caliphone guys really kind of changed my life because went on tour a bunch and met people and met the shins way early on before they were signed and who you played with for a brief period yeah of time. there was no eureka moment but it was like culmination of it all was that. a culmination of things and sort of being lucky in the right place at the right time and getting exposed to this and drinking in that and it rubs off on you a little bit and you don't even know it and the next thing you know you're developing something your music has that sort of retro vibe to it definitely hear everything from you know early bgs to the beach boys to elo you know, That's come more recently because I just realized that I can sing, like, I'm writing these a little bit of poppier songs or something, and, yeah. and I'm like, that's where my voice goes. Those harmonics are, are yeah. very indicative of, of that sort of music, and, and yeah. you pull it off uh, with aplomb. So, so congratulations on the new record. What's next for you, or, you know, do you think that far ahead, or are you just kind of, like, living the moment of this right now? Well, right now I'm trying super hard not to think so far ahead because I have, like, 45 shows left or something to do in this <laughs> I didn't realize we were this early. Run. Yeah, we're real early. So, yeah, this is like, this is early days. Uh, yeah, being on tour is like being delayed at the airport, sort of. Oh, that doesn't make like, it sound very appealing. Well, it's not the greatest, but it's like, it's a little thing where you're like, all right, I'm here. This is what's happening right now. So yeah. I'm here. I have no choice in the matter. Like, I'm, I'm so, I'm, it makes it sound terrible. It's like a nice form of being delayed at the airport. I understand what you're saying because you're creating this situation for yourself. And you know, having done this as long as you have, you've been on Sub Pop, you're on Merge now, you're on big indie labels. This is how the game is played, how it's always been played. And if you want, to amass fans and sell records and let people know that you exist. You invite the bald guy into the van and talk for 30 minutes, and then you go play for 100, 150, maybe 200, 250 people at some venues. You you have like a different experience with every album, I would assume. I know from my own experience, even though the touring isn't part of it, it kind of encompasses a different part of your life. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. All right, well then, I figured out all the mysteries of yeah. life right here in the van. <laughs> in the sweaty-ass van. If you like tongue-in-cheek humor, if you like retro rock, if you like indie rock, or as you quoted in your bio, I definitely forgot to mention this, existential makeout music. Sure. Check out Fruit Bats, Eric D. Johnson. Thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate yeah, thanks. It.
Pass, A Lingering Love by Fruit Bats. Earlier in the podcast, we heard Gold Past Life, both off the album Gold Past Life, out now on Merge Records. Get the goods, find out more, stalk him online, fruitbatsmusic.com. Big thanks to Eric for taking the time to talk with me, Fruit Bats tour manager Nathan Vanderpool, and the fine folks at Union Stage for the hospitality. Solid artisanal pizza, by the way. Dean at Space Bomb Group and Mike at Merge for setting up the interview. And yes, you, loyal slash first time slash ex-girlfriend slash I arrived here by mistake listener, tell your music-loving friends to tune in and get turned on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud. Follow on your wireless thingamajigs at Bald Freak Music and get in touch. It's all at baldfreak.com. And a big thanks to this episode's presenting sponsor, Bloom Farms CBD. 20% off your order when you go to bloomfarmcbd.com and purchase any of their awesome tinctures and mini vape pens. Just enter the code BALDFREAK at checkout. But Ron, CBD is this unknown thing. Sure, the cool kids in my neighborhood dig it, but what the hell am I putting into my body? Excellent point, intelligent, self-caring listener. Do what I do. Go to the site, click on learn at bloomfarmscbd.com. Click on mission. Your purchase helps feed the hungry thanks to Bloom Farms' awesome one-for-one program. You think I'm going to pitch something to you that isn't awesome? Bloom Farm CBD tinctures and mini vape pens are all natural, organically grown, available in most of the U.S. and beyond. Find out where, find out how. BloomFarmsCBD.com. Enter promo code BALDFREAK at checkout for 20% off. That's BloomFarmsCBD.com. 20% off. That's almost 21%. Next time on Independent Minded, backstage at the Black Cat. Meow. Talking Shop with Jonathan Nunez of Miami indie metal band Torch. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. It's going to get hot. Oh, yes. <laughs>